Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Kim Grenolds of dogman.com with Chris Fetters. It is, what are they calling it? Transfer Palooza Day, Chris? Is that the official name of it on 24-7 Sports? Uh, Portal Palooza, I believe. Portal Palooza. Portal Palooza. We'll talk a little bit about the transfer portal, but the big news last night, Mike Penix uh, announcing at the team meeting that he team banquet last night that he would be returning for another year at University of Washington. And Chris, you were listening to Softy when Michael was explaining how Coach DeBoer found out. Tell people what you heard him say on with Softy today. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. Um you know, I mean, unlike Jake Locker just kind of going in with his dog and telling Steve Sarkeesian he was just kind of nonchalantly, casually going to come back for his final year, um, Penix apparently kept it all under wraps except for the video guys that put the video together for him. And so I guess he told him like the day before just to keep it under wraps. And then literally at the very end of the banquet, uh, apparently they ran the video and nobody on the team knew none of the coaches knew and Washington actually just put out a quick little 20 second snippet of the final part of the video where he says he's coming back to Washington and the reaction from the crowd including DeBoer who like immediately jumps to his feet and kind of goes a little crazy and uh, gives Mike a big hug and uh, by the way Mike was wearing a, uh, a Sonics hat and so that was interesting too. And like you gave me crap because apparently I was wearing the, uh, the my Texas hoodie. Uh, Penix was wearing Texas colors as well. So um, <laughs> I don't want to hear any more about this Texas, this Texas. That. It's a lot easier for me to give you crap than it is Mike Pack. You know, yeah, crap. Well, but that's but neither you know it's neither here nor there. All I'm saying is it really uh, took everyone by surprise, as it literally took everyone by surprise when he put it out on Twitter, put it out on Instagram. And then obviously the reaction that we've had on the message boards and whatnot, hundred percent amazement. I think I'm still kind of amazed that it happened. Um, not so much that the news itself, but just kind of how quickly things were able to turn 
and kind of the process by which, you know, Penix was kind of able to figure out this whole decision. You know, you would have thought maybe it would have come a little longer or taken a little bit longer, waited for some more information to come in through the draft process. But, yeah, it was amazing how it all turned out. Well, he said that, you know, about 630 Saturday night is when he, you know, realized and figured out that he wanted to come back. And he just called the the video guy or, you know, the social media guy. Are you busy? You got a minute? So I want to find out who that video guy is. I want to talk to him because well, it sounds like him and Mike were the only two who knew. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure when Mike Panics calls you and you're in charge of Washington's video stuff, you take that call. <laughs> I, it's kind of like when John calls when John Galt calls, so. who knows what it's for, but you, you take the call because it's probably going to be something that you need to know. And yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it's it just uh, ended up being a, a great announcement all the way around. And I thought, that you know, that the announcement either way, I was expecting that thing to go on a while, you know, it's at least until after the bowl game, if not longer, you know, and maybe go into February until he made that decision. But, you know, he just went ahead and, you know, it's just Mike. I mean, we've been around him a little. He walks to his own drummer and he does his own thing. So big surprise. And I wonder, you know, you you have to wonder what, you know, Sam Heward and uh, Dylan Morris thought, you know, with that uh, announcement. And they didn't even know. So I, I think that's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on. Uh, definitely. What is it, Sam? Um Sam would be in his third year, so he would have three years after Penix left, and uh, Dylan would have one year left if uh, both of them stayed. I'd have to go back and look, honestly. I just know that they, they both would have eligibility after. So uh, yeah, I think Dylan would have one, and Sam would have two. And um, honestly, from you know just people I've spoken with and what I know, I, I don't think Sam's going anywhere. Dylan, I don't know that well. I don't know. Does he want to be part of the team, get his business degree, and or does he really want to play football, uh, you know, for a couple of years? Because, you know, but then again, Chris, you're only one snap away from playing the rest of the year as well. Well, there's that. And then the other thing is, is because of the number of quarterbacks, like North Carolina State's quarterback went in the portal, DJ Uyunglele went into the portal. There's a number of top, top actual starting quarterbacks that went into the portal. So if a guy like Dylan Morris, who was a a previous starter, if he wants to um, make that decision that playing more and, and really getting a chance to start somewhere is of the utmost importance to him. Cause you're right. He is just one play away from being that guy. um, He probably would have to drop down. I mean, he would probably have to go big sky. He'd have to go FCS probably just because the sheer number of players that were starters in 2022, there's already a ton of those guys. There's a glut. And so to be able to find an option or an opportunity, he would probably either have to go group of five, maybe at the best, or even drop down to FCS. And that's just the difficulty of this kind of, you know, (laughs) portal palooza. I call it musical chairs. I mean, they're just not enough uh, there's not enough scholarships and opportunities to go around for yep. all these guys. And, and as you've always said, Kim, you know, these guys usually don't make these kinds of moves unless they know where they're going, if they understand the process and they know what they're doing. And, we're not saying, go- and we are not saying that Dylan Morris is going to leave and we're not reading anything into his mind. We honestly don't know. 
No, we don't know. I mean, no, the, the, all of this is speculation because this has all come about in the last 24 hours. So it, there's just no way of knowing what's in their minds, what's in their hearts, and, and what they want doing going forward. But the, the one thing stands, and you said it from the beginning, those guys are one play away from being right in the firing line and, and being right there in front of it and, and having to lead this team. So yeah. it's up to them, and that's a, that's a tough decision. Well, it's also – this is the situation that a lot of schools are going to be in right now, especially when it comes to quarterbacks. You know, you take a look at Oregon. Bo Nix could go to the NFL. Uh, Butterfield has already put his name in the portal. I'm not sure if Ty Thompson has put his name in the portal, but everybody's expecting that to happen and him probably to follow his uh, offensive coordinator back home to uh, Arizona State. He's from the Phoenix area, but when you take a look at Washington's number – on, on the roster you know, that right now they have three and then they have a quarterback committed and three is not the ideal number of quarterbacks that you have on your roster. You need to have more than that just to conduct practice. And you take a look at, you know, with Penix coming back and Sam and Dylan, if one of those guys leave, it puts them down to two. And then uh, the quarterback that they have committed for next year, Lincoln Keenholz, He's committed, but he's flirting with uh, Ohio State, too. So Washington could be in a number crunch at the quarterback position on the roster, and they won't be the only school, Chris. Well, they're definitely not the only school, and um, they won't be the only school definitely in the, in the Pac-12. I mean, when you've got um, you know head coaching changes like Deion Sanders at Colorado and and uh, Kenny Dillingham at ASU, and we'll, we'll find out who Stanford hires here pretty soon. But typically, you get roster churn when those guys make those moves. Um, you're using you're usually seeing a lot of guys come and go, and we've ar- we've already seen a, a number of guys come and go at, at Oregon. We've seen a number of guys come and go at Washington State. Um, you know, Washington's had a couple guys I know we'll talk about in a bit. But yeah, that's just kind of part and parcel of the transfer portal nowadays, and and that's why you have to be very very uh, smart and 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 understand what you want to do before you actually do it. And so that's why when you talk about Sam Heward, you talk about Dylan Morris, any opportunities they may have, you know, you've got to keep that in mind. But I remember the days, uh, Kim, when, when Steve Sarkeesian had five top rated high school quarterbacks on his roster at the same time. And you want, you want a quarterback for every single recruiting class. That is the ideal. And they did not have anywhere close to the ideal in 2022. And even if even if Lincoln Kinnell uh, stays committed and signs in mid-December or even waits till February, you know, that would be four. And that's still right about the minimum of what you want. Five is ideal, but very rarely can you keep keep a hold of five nowadays, because as you're seeing with Oregon, you'll, you, you may get an opportunity or may see a situation where one or two of those guys may leave in a class like like that, like within days. And yeah, I think, uh, we, we saw I think, it with the portal a few years ago when Colson Yankoff and, and, um, and Jacob Sermon left basically on the same day. And then Sermon obviously pulled his name back out. But those are the kinds of situations that you really, really want to avoid. I think four is the magic number in today's football. You know, the, I think the old days, five was the magic number. But with the portal the way it is, I think four is the magic number because that gives you a little bit of margin for error to go down to three. But when you've only got three, boy, there's just no margin for error. And if you're going to uh, only have three and lose one and only have two on the roster and try to bring in one or two, it's going to be difficult. It's going think, to be really difficult. Yeah, I think, Kim, the other thing, too, is that in, in talking to Ryan Grubb and, 
and Kalen DeBoer in his last you know year, you get the you get the sense that they really don't want to waste a lot of guys' time. And spring and fall is where they get the opportunity to really start splitting up those reps, especially in spring. But once the season goes around, it's just one of those things where if you're not the starting guy, you're you're getting maybe 20% of the reps tops. I mean, absolute max. Yeah. I mean, usually the, the number one guy is getting at least three quarters of the reps in any practice week. And so once that kind of that hierarchy is established or that pecking order, it's very, very difficult for to see a lot of movement there. And that's where it's important in spring and fall to really try to create a competition that incentivizes these guys, but also make sure that they get all the turns that they need to get. And the more quarterbacks you have in the mix, it's like it's like cooks in the kitchen. It's just very, very difficult to have everybody in there and feeling like they got, you know, uh, the amount that they needed to make a real run at the competition. Yeah, and we've still got some more guys that we're going to have to wait to see if they're going to return. I think the big three guys that you're going to be wondering about is, you know, first of all, you know, Romo Dunsey, second of all, Jalen McMillan. I think that there's a chance that, um, why am I spacing, Troy Fautanu could put his name into the NFL draft, and another guy is Tule Latula Gasanoa. So those are guys that we've got to keep our eye on. I think, you know, probably the, the next guy who's going to get the most attention on whether he's coming or going is going to be Romo Dunsey. Well, you mentioned a few of them. Uh, Roma Dunsey, Jalen McMillian, Tule Latula Gasanoa, um, Troy Fautanu for sure, but then also the other edge players like Braylon Trice, yeah. Zion Tupola Fatui. Um, those are all guys that I think are going to get some some notice and some attention for sure. So it's just one of those things where you, you got to see what happens. But you know, if you just if you look at what Michael Penix just did uh, Sunday night, it's a real testament to the culture that's already been built and the idea that something really special could be built for 2023. They've already seen kind of the fruits of their labors in terms of this season going 10 and two going into a, a bowl game and, and trying to get an 11-win season. I think, if I remember correctly, Scott Eklund may have said this has only happened maybe five or six other times in the history of Washington football where they've won where a season where they've won 10 or more games. And so this is a special season for them, and they know that it can be even better. And so that's why I'm wondering where that particular aspect will weigh in the balance when these guys are figuring out their decision. Yeah, and then you take a look at you know, if you Rome and Jalen, they can come back and catch passes from uh, Michael Penix. And I can promise you they're already working on a Heisman campaign for Michael Penix, who didn't make the uh, top four and will not be going to New York City. I'm guessing they're already working on the Heisman campaign, and there's some big games that are going to be nationally telecast with Michael Penix. He's just going to be one of the favorites for the Heisman going into next year. You know, and that first one's going to be the Michigan State game where he'll get some exposure to the uh, Big Ten and that USC uh Washington game next year will be two Heisman candidates, you know, or maybe even a Heisman winner and Caleb Williams. That's going to be a huge game. And, you know, the Oregon game up here, it's always a big game. So we may see game day back up in Washington for the Oregon game to see Michael Penix. And then if you've got all that coming and you, you're, you know, Jalen McMillan and Romu Dunsey, having Jalen back just turned the pressure up on them a lot. Honestly, do you think he uh, gun to your head, both of them return, one of them return? What's your, what's your gut, Chris? Uh, my gut says that both of them return. I, I'm really kind of thinking that they may have thought that they were 
that there was a good chance they might leave if they had good seasons starting at the beginning of the year, but they probably didn't as they, it's hard to say because as players, you always think you're going to win every game. You're going to do everything you set out to do. You've got these goals. You try to reach these goals. I'm sure every goal that they felt outside of probably winning a PAC 12 title, which, you know, if it wasn't for the, for the elimination of the divisions, they would have had a chance to do that. So that was kind of out of their, out of their um, power a little bit. Obviously, everyone's talking about just beat ASU. I get it. Okay, fair enough. But that said, there was a there was a three loss team that ended up getting into the Pac-12 title game and won that game. So you know, I, I don't know that that argument doesn't really work with me all that well. Yeah. But I going back to McMillan and Odunzi, I, I think that you know they may have had ideas of thinking about what they could do in the NFL after this year. But the way that the season unfolded, Kim, I find it hard to believe that they're going to look at this season and go, okay, well, we've done everything we needed to do. I just get this sense that when when Michael Penix at the end of that video talked about unfinished business, I think we're going to see that as a recurring theme when it comes to guys like Odunzi, McMillan, Trice, ZTF, Fautanu. I, I'd, I'd be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if all those guys return just because I, I think there is that sense of unfinished business out there. Hey, hey, Chris, you'll appreciate this. Simply Seattle, who does such a great job of getting stuff out. The hat that Michael Penix was wearing. Yeah, they got that on their website. On their they're they're going to sell a few of those. Yeah, maybe you need those. some big Penix energy merchandise so you can buy that. At Simply Seattle. That's pretty funny. Those guys do a good job. But uh, I, mean, I think the guy that um, maybe was the dark horse to maybe put his name in for the NFL draft, I think for, uh, Troy Fontan, who is, you know, getting some really underground attention. I think the steam is going to build for him. So I think that's the guy to keep an eye on. Maybe not at tackle, but I know a lot of the NFL guys have him highly regarded as an uh, inside guy. I don't remember who it was. It was one of the ESPN draft guys. I don't I don't think it was Mel Kuyper, but maybe Todd McShay or one of those other guys apparently had um, Fautan, who was one of his uh, top-rated guys to watch out for. And I think that's kind of where the the hype began, so to speak, the kind of the interest in what Troy Fautanu could could do. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they work that and, and clearly – they feel like they had a lot of success by moving Jackson Kirkland inside. And I think they feel really good about that. And, and maybe if, if it pans out that Kirkland ends up getting drafted as a guard and has the kind of career that we would all hope that he has, then it'll, it'll really validate the decision. It'll vindicate Grubb. It'll vindicate Scott Huff and, and those guys. And maybe a guy like Fautan who goes, well, yeah, if, if, if that works well for a guy like Jackson Kirkland, Maybe I should look at doing that, too. The, the flip side to that is we've seen it work with guys like uh, Senio Calamete. Senio Calamete is basically was about the same size that Troy Fautanu is. He's not a big, long-armed tackle. And yet he had a nice career in the NFL, played it, played a number of years, and kind of bopped around here and there and made it, made a decent living. So it can be done. I just don't know kind of where Troy's head is at in terms of would he um, would he want to move inside too, and if they do move him inside, is Scott Huff comfortable with you know uh, Julius Bulow out there, yeah. or even moving in, like a Nate Kalepo out there, or someone else that has some tackle experience 
you know, you've got to have pieces pieces to that puzzle to make it all work. Because right now, Troy Fautanu is your starting left tackle, and he's really the best option that you've got. I think of all the guys that could possibly leave, Troy Fautanu would probably be the most likely guy to go. I think some others might flirt with the portal and put some inquiries out there through the back channels because that's just the way it works. And uh, we'll see. But that's my gut feeling is that Troy might be the one that's most likely to enter, not into the portal, into the draft, excuse me. So uh, sorry about that. But we expected today to be a busy day and nothing really surprising on the Washington end, Chris. Um, Maybe we just really didn't think about it too much because with the bowl game coming up my gut kind of tells me that we may not have um you know the mass exodus that we expect you know five six seven guys only two entered so far but i think it um, might be kind of a slow drip and then after the bowl game we may start start hearing of some things well it might be it might be the Penix factor (laughs) it may just be that he kind of set this whole thing going in a different direction and guys that were maybe thinking you know what, maybe I should, you know, if, if, if Mike's leaving to go pro and, you know, maybe this is a good jumping off point for me to maybe think about another direction. Like we had a great season, but do I really want to finish my career out at Washington or whatnot? Him coming back may, you know, we've talked about Rome and Jalen and how that might directly impact them because they're catching passes from him. But does that impact a guy like Faltano? Does it impact some of the defensive guys that want to go along for the ride and be a part of this thing and show that they can be a part of a defense that can rise up and be as good as what Washington was on offense? So there's a lot of different things. And again, don't want to harp on it, but I think this idea of unfinished business might be a recurring theme that we see. And I would say one other thing about guys that are thinking about going into the portal, Kim, and one thing that that maybe we haven't thought about that much is just when you when you think about going into the transfer portal, it's all about recruiting again. And when you're recruiting again, you're essentially selling yourself and you've got to have something to sell. There might be a number one number of these guys on Washington's team right now that are thinking maybe I'm stuck behind guys or maybe I'm not given a fair shake or whatever it may be. But what do I have that other programs at the FBS level, what do I have that they're going to want? And some of these guys, either they haven't been on they haven't been on um, the field, have, yeah. don't have tape, don't, don't really have anything even to show as far as practice and stuff. So a lot of these guys, in some ways, it could be a bit of a catch-22. They might be kind of stuck, and that's a really bad place to be in right now. And that hopefully those guys can find a way in the offseason – to push themselves back up and get themselves back in the mix ahead of April. But like I said, sometimes when you think that there's guys out there that would be easy portal targets, there are some, and a lot of those guys are the grad guys like the Talapapas and the, and the Chris Moles and the Cam Brights and the, and the Jordan Perrymans. But there are also other guys that may have more eligibility to them, but they may not show much and may not have much in the way of statistics or tape that can tell coaches out there, okay, is this a guy that we really need? So that's that's a hard place to be in. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, a lot of the guys that left Washington last year, where'd they wind up? I mean, did any of them do anything? Did, you know, take a look at Jacoby Covington. I know he played a little bit at USC. He played the Pac-12 title game. Yeah, but he wasn't and, a starter most of the year. And then, and Bynum, well, I don't know if he was banged up or whatever, but like, like Terrell Bynum. Terrell Bynum was clearly behind guys like Addison and um, the other Williams that came with Caleb Williams from Oklahoma yeah. and um, and some other guys. Tosh Washington, he, he just was behind a ton of other guys. And so that was, yeah, it w- wasn't a great spot, honestly. Colson. I'm sure he's Colson not going to play, and he, he was in the Pac-12 title game. But, Colson. yeah, tough place to be in. Colson Yankoff. I think yeah, they had a well, running I mean, back, didn't they? He got he got moved around. Yeah, he ended up as a running back, and he ended up in a bunch of other places, um, trying to be kind of a Swiss Army knife for UCLA. Which, in a Chip Kelly offense, that could be fantastic. Only problem is, is I think it, it was kind of one of those things where they didn't really have the set position for him, and so they didn't try to use him in any one role for like a long time. They thought, well, he's a good athlete. Yep. We got to get on the field. How do we get him on the field? And so, yeah. you know, it's just like I said, you know, entering the portal. What was it? Twenty five hundred people uh, players were entering the portal. Uh, what was it? The FBS level earlier this week? Yeah, 25. I don't know. No, I, I just know that today I think I saw the numbers like four or five hundred. I mean, which is just absolutely and how many, crazy. And, and how many of those are really going to find a home? Because I'm, I'm taking a look at some of the guys that I think might enter the portal and I'm not going to name any names, but. I'm not imagining they're going to have a lot of people recruiting them. They're going to have to find a place to land rather than being recruited. Well, I do think that the two guys that Washington that, that have already declared that they're going into the portal from Washington in Cameron Williams and, and Kuapehopa, I think those guys will find places. They've got tape. They're good players. They will find a fit that works for them. And hopefully they, have time to do their due diligence and find the place that's right for them. Cause I think they can, they can still thrive uh, in college football, but yeah, I mean, you know, you are already seeing some guys that have already made decisions. They go into the portal and then you find out that they've already found a place. And that's where it goes to your point about knowing where you're going to go before you even put your name in the portal. And that's certainly happened for a number of guys out there. And like, I know on the message board, on the recruiting board, people are putting out names of, of you know, uh, positions and players that they think Washington might take a look at. And I know of at least one or two where I was like, yeah, that guy's already going somewhere else. So yeah. it doesn't a lot of times these guys, it doesn't last long. They get off the board pretty quickly. Oh, they're still on teams and the parents are calling other schools, the trainers. the Yeah, I, I mean, they, everybody's got people in their camps and they're reaching out to the other schools and. You can bet your bottom dollar. Washington's getting some calls from some people too, and it's not like it's not like Washington is going to have to go out and look for guys. They're going to get a lot of phone calls from people that are already going to be interested. So um, it, it's going to be real, real, real interesting because I, what did we say yesterday when we did our podcast? 
four was the over under of what we thought of guys that they would take from the portal. Maybe five. Is that probably still where you're thinking, Chris? Well, I thought that number was the number that would actually leave Washington, not not get signed by Washington. But even so, I I mean, I think I'd kind of be surprised if it was three or four. But I think it's because I asked the question yesterday with Scott, you know, is it going to be kind of a like for like number? Like if they if they have four or five guys leave, would they just immediately try to pick up four or five guys? Because 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 the positions are going to be different. Well, no, because they've got like that. they've got like eighteen, nineteen guys committed already, and they've only got yes. ten seniors, so they've got to find room somewhere. And yes. they've got to find room somewhere. And I, I kind of get the feeling that some of these guys that we thought might enter the portal on their own might be shoved into the portal and maybe go kicking and screaming as well. Well, I think if anybody has been watching the YouTube videos of Deion Sanders and kind of that saga at Colorado, him going there and and addressing the players and basically telling them that he had brought his own luggage, which was him saying, I brought my own players with me, so you better find another place to go. Um, that's kind of a game changer in a lot of ways. I mean, he he's basically saying kind of what was bit, what's been unspoken for a long time. And I, I don't I would never accuse coaches of pushing guys out. Um, but I do think that uh, oh, when happens. you hear a coach, when you hear a coach say, basically, I'm going to make it the worst time of your existence and i'm gonna force you out um yeah it's it, it's it's kind of one of those things where it's it's a new day and age kim and that's just kind of the way they operate yeah looking at the some of the portal stuff today uh oregon of course i mean it's, it seems like they're losing a ton what is it nine or ten guys from the 2001 uh 2021 recruiting class and uh justin Flo entering the transfer portal and the one that kind of surprised me is the the quarterback from Pitt. okay um Keaton Slovis, who was at uh, starter at USC, and Caleb Williams came in and he went to Pitt, and he's already in the portal looking to go somewhere. I think he's going to have to be a dra- uh, grad transfer, though. Yeah, I was going to say I kind of looked at that and going, he already did this, so he must he must be a grad guy. Yeah. So just also um, Julian Simon from down in Tacoma, linebacker who uh, a lot of people on the Washington site wanted Washington to take him. I don't think he's seen the field a whole lot down at USC and he's entered the portal. So um, that was an interesting one. Any, any others jump out at you that you kind of saw the, also the kid from Rainier uh, beach um, uh, Patu uh, looks like he entered the transfer portal as well. Oh yeah. No, I mean, to be honest with you, it's, it's, it's just going to be one of those things where you kind of pour through it and you, and when you look at the Pac-12 specifically, I mean, I was a little surprised that Washington State has had a much as much attrition as they had. But again, they're losing coaches. Um, it sounds like maybe one or two of them are going to end up with Kenny Dillingham at Arizona State. Um, it sounds like maybe they're, maybe others are going other places. But yeah, when you lose like Donovan Ollie and Deshaun Stribling, you know, two of their big time receivers, uh, that's kind of interesting you know you don't that would be their version of washington losing roma dunze and Jalen mcmillan that's the kind of impact that losing those guys would have on that program but the little so, guy's staying right the little guy uh Farrell? yeah he's staying yeah i i don't yeah i was gonna say i don't know um if he was even considered thinking of going somewhere else i, I have no idea i mean i don't i don't follow the program that carefully but yeah, and you but you look at Oregon for sure. A lot of those guys that were kind of the foundational guys of that recruiting class a couple of years ago, like Justin Flo and Byron Cardwell and 
Dante Thornton and, um, you know, Bram Walden, big time offensive lineman who I think Mario Cristobal at Miami's already offered him. So these, again, th- these things will turn around pretty quickly. Seven McGee, you already talked about Jay Butterfield, um, you know, a number of, of those guys taken off already. So um, that's just kind of part and parcel. And, and especially it's like the higher rated guys that you go after Kim. Sometimes those are the guys that end up thinking that if they don't get it done at one place, they're just going to hightail it and go somewhere else. Yeah, you mentioned Mario Cristobal offering the guy from Oregon already. Hell, he probably would offer my couch if he saw it. <laughs> he offers everybody, doesn't he? I don't know. I, I just know <laughs> that he recruited him to Oregon, so it's not a surprise. And yeah. being an offensive lineman, there's a couple obviously touchdowns to that too. So we'll we'll just see what happens. We'll just see what happens. But you know, sometimes you 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 think it's the teams that have been underperforming they usually have the most turnover and the most churn because there will be other teams out there better teams that want to snap up those those poor teams snap up the talent that they do have um so but at this point unless you're like a colorado who is going through a going to go through a complete rebuild you know it's hard to kind of know there's that's a purge (laughs) it's yeah it's a small world nowadays it's such a small world and we're not even into silly season yet. You know, we've had the, some of the coaching carousel, but there, you know, Stanford is still out there. Assistant coaching jobs are still out there. And then again, when NFL coaches start getting fired and we start hitting the NFL, you know, coaching carousel again, which impacts college footballs with the assistants, Oregon named an offensive coordinator today. And you've still got some other positions that need to be filled throughout the conference, especially down at uh, ASU. Yeah, no, there's no question about it. That there's going to be a lot of uh, the musical chairs goes on in the coaching realm as well. Um, you know, I've heard some interesting things like Sean Lewis, the um, head coach at Kent State, the yeah. first team that Washington played, apparently is on uh, Deion Sanders' shortlist to be his offensive coordinator. That'd be so, cool. So that would be really, really interesting to see if Sean Lewis would go to Boulder. Who knows um, what's going to happen? It, it sounds like there's a connection between the guy that's going to be Oregon's next offensive coordinator. Cause he, he coached at Texas San Antonio and one of the uh, Texas quarterbacks card that just recently put his name in the portal. He could follow that coordinator because apparently he coached him even like in high school. So there's again, such a small world, Kim, you just never know how these things are going to end up connecting just like it did with Michael Penix and Kalen DeBoer. Yeah, it's kind of. I was kind of surprised that they, um, when I took a look at the hire of Oregon's offensive coordinator, because I'm desperately think that they need somebody to step in front of Dan Lanning and tell him no. But he hired a 32, 33 year old offensive coordinator, and then they elevated one of their graduate assistants up to um, uh, the quarterback coach. Again, we don't know what's going to happen. Cal is looking for an offensive coordinator. They're also looking for. Um, it's not only an offensive coordinator, I think quarterback coach as well. Stanford, uh, they haven't hired a coach yet. ASU is still filling out their staff. And could we have some turnover on the coaching staff at Washington? Is that still possible? I don't know. It's interesting, though. I mean, you know, when you see some of these former former Washington players that are on Twitter, I mean, I'm seeing tweets from guys like Mario Bailey saying that if the portal existed back in the 90s, he doesn't think Washington would win a national championship. Because he thinks those guys, a lot of those guys on that team would have probably tried to go somewhere else to play. 
So, I mean, who knows what this new world is going to be like, but it is interesting to hear from some of the former players and some of the guys that have been through it in a different era kind of see the portal through their lens and see how they react. Because How about what what Reggie said about NIL? Did you hear what he said? Oh yeah, no. There's tons of guys. We'd, we'd all be driving. Killing. We'd all be driving Lambos, is what he said. Yeah, no, tons of guys. They would have made a killing. So yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, busy day. So uh, it just seems like the off season gets busier than during the season, Chris. It just seems to seems to go like that. So only two guys entered the portal today, but we expect more portal business to come up. Uh, Caleb Presley, of course, the corner out of uh, Rainier Beach. He's at Beach, right? Because he transferred yes. somewhere down at Tacoma. He was on his visit. We'll see if he takes that visit to Oregon this week, because I know a lot of people think he's going to make that commitment sometime this week to Washington. So I think it will be key to whether he takes that visit down to Oregon or not, something to keep an eye on. Well, and there's it, also there's also the, the fact that he said on his trip report that, um, that Colorado actually reached out to him during the Washington visit, which is interesting enough. Apparently they called him. So who who knows how who knows how uh, talking to Deion Sanders will impact Caleb Presley and, and how his recruitment goes uh, does going forward. I think it said that I think uh, there was word that um, Dion also called Josiah Wagner, the cornerback from up here too, who a lot of yeah. people like him better. He's committed to Oklahoma. So well, like I said, I, I I told these people on the board, I said I hope these these guys that understand, especially the defensive backs, and they see a legend like Deion Sanders who played their position. I hope they understand that when they're getting recruited by that guy, he's not the one that's going to be coaching them. Their position coach is the one that's going to be coaching them. So it's kind of, I just hope it's kind of like go- back. It's kind of like back in the day when Rick was at Colorado. If Rick called, I mean, with the reputation he had back then, I mean, Rick was a rock star when he was at Colorado. He really was a rock star out on the recruiting trail. And Deion Sanders got that rock star, you know, persona as well. And that's a big deal if Deion Sanders calls you right now. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, I, I remember back in the day when New Eisel was saying, hey, you know, let me know who you want me to call, because if you want me to make that call, I'm going to close the deal for you. But you better be sure you know what you're doing. You better make you know, sure you want that guy because I better know who yeah. you want. And yeah. if you really want that guy, I'll make the call. So, again, it's it's this is I'm looking at this on the other side, because make no mistake. I think Deion Sanders of Colorado is phenomenal. I think he I think it's the it's the it's just more juice to a conference that sadly needed a lot of juice. Kalen DeBoer's bringing that juice. Lincoln Riley's bringing that juice. Dan Lanning's bringing that juice. Kenny Dillingham's bringing that juice. And now Deion Sanders is really bringing that juice. And I think that's just going to really create a whole new dynamic in the Pac-12 and out West. And people nationally are going to start to pay attention to that. But the point being is, if all those guys that are looking to play under Deion Sanders, I just hope they understand they're not getting coached by Deion Sanders. So, you you know, you listen to him being around that kind of energy and everything else is fantastic. But at the end of the day, the, the, the most important relationship you have in that program is with your position coach. And that's not going to be Deion Sanders. Lots of crazy stuff going on, Chris. It just never seems to end. Anything else you need to add or wrap it up? No, just that I, you know, again, I, I was expecting to maybe see a couple names today, but I do also kind of have a feeling my initial reaction to that is maybe there is a, a Michael Penix kind of effect or bounce to the whole idea of him 
really taken the um, the team by surprise, the coaching staff, and and I think they're everyone's kind of still on cloud nine from that. And maybe guys that were seriously thinking about putting their names in are having second thoughts and are really kind of going, you know what, this could be something super super special in 2023, and I've got to take this, I got to take a second look and see if if I truly believe that there's something out there that's better than what's already going on here, because what's going on here at Montlake right now is pretty special. So I I think there's something to that. But again, as you've already pointed out, Kim, over the coming days and weeks, especially with the mid-year signing period coming up uh, starting the 21st, you know, there's going to be a lot of movement there. So there's going to be a lot of conversations obviously going on between players and coaches and a lot of stuff still yet to be figured out, not Just just with the portal, but also with the guys that are thinking about their draft aspirations too. Just when we think things are going to slow down, it always speeds back up and uh, we always get caught and it just never seems to end. So, um, you know, with the Michael Penix coming back, I expect a big Heisman promo uh, and campaign during the off season. I expect the preseason energy to be off the hook. I expect recruiting to be insane this coming spring with, uh, Coach DeBoer with one recruiting cycle under his belt. So um, it's going to be continue to be busy. I have media tomorrow with Coach Hopkins. They play Gonzaga on on Friday. Do we have a time on that yet, Chris? I know I've asked this before. Do we have a Still TBD time? based on what I've seen. Jeez. Is it going to be 10 o'clock or 8 o'clock? I mean, we just don't know. No idea. No, no idea. All right. It's Like yeah. I said, it's it's actually, you know what? It's just it's 6 o'clock. It'll be we on 6 it. o'clock, and it's, the game's on Root. Root Sports <laughs> Plus. <laughs> oh, wow. I, didn't know, I didn't know there was a Root Sports Plus, so anybody uh-huh. who can fill us in on that. Tell me what channel that is. Tell me what channel that is. So, <laughs> Anyways, hey, just keep it here at dogman.com. We'll keep you up to date and informed, and uh, you know, uh, we always have the breaking stuff. So, Anyways, for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters. Go dogs. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.